This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. I hate these guys. Awful. <laughs> we are ill. We are sickly. Well, I don't know. You're not sick. I'm, no, I'm sick. sick. You're. We, you're just. We sound you like were... we should be sent to the emergency room. You were shrieking all night, apparently last yeah, night. Yeah, um, So we had a reg- we had a weird we had a, an unusual. Every I, I co- <coughs> as you know, as you have I have mentioned ad nauseum, I coach football. You here. coach little league, <laughs> not, not, LA. not little league, high school football, LA, and uh, tap. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so we in our league we end we have our last regular season game on Thursday. So that in case anybody has to have a play-in game or there's a tie that has to be a tiebreaker, you can play that tiebreaker early the following week instead of having a Friday game where you would have to put the tiebreaker off until like Wednesday. You sound awful. So I was up last night and it was a long game. I mean a long game. Well, chess usually does take quite a while to finish. In the, and it was, it had rained all afternoon and it was cold and we were screaming, and the game just went on and on, and I would not end. But there was some, there was some stuff. I won't, I won't belabor the point. But there's some stuff going on in the game that we didn't appreciate as a coaching staff. But we won, we took care of it, and so now we are in a three-way tie to get into the playoffs, the state championship playoffs, uh, and we have that on Tuesday night. So. I sound sound terrible. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for a number of reasons. I I didn't play. The boys played. But let me let me explain. I'm proud. I've never heard anybody so passionate about uh, you know drag and (laughs) (laughs) our drag races, our drag queen races. (laughs) Yeah, I mean it's really it's really astounding how passionate you are about. I didn't even know there was a state competition. You should see me in my red leather pumps. I'd rather not. I would rather not. But uh, so no, it's, it's I didn't get home. The game. I didn't get home. So usually, you know, a high school game's what two hours. We started kickoff was at seven, and we didn't get done till after ten o'clock last night. And so then you got to take care of the field and get everything done there, and go to the locker room, make sure the locker room's cleaned out. Wait you for all the and dentures. And I waited around with our head coach till all the stats were in, were delivered to us, and we had everything we needed. It's just like you got to be kidding me. So then I get home, and I can't sleep. I can't sleep after a game. I mean, I, you know, as tired as you are, your brain's still going a thousand miles an hour. And you're thinking about every play. I finally went to sleep around one, and then woke up a few times during the night thinking about the game. And four o'clock, my idiot son Colton, little Tito boy, well, not an idiot, but you know. Kids are the worst. Yo, you, yo, you called him an idiot. Just own it. Anyway, sure so he comes it. wandering down around four o'clock, crying, and I felt bad for him. I he'd had nightmares, so I've been up since four. Uh, I've been up since four as we record this, and my voice has uh, is reflecting. He's screaming at the game last night. Like coach, been at a bent there, and we get so excited. I mean, I love. I, I'm defensive coordinator. I just have a blast doing it, and so we're screaming, yelling, and, and cheering the guys on, and making calls from the sideline. Is that so is that a know, wardrobe? Is that a, is that right, a wardrobe? Exactly. Wardrobe changes. Wardrobe changes. 
So, but you see the formations and you scream out your new calls and you make your plays. And anyway, it's a blast. We, we, I, I love it. I love it. I don't know how much longer I'll get to do it, but I love it. Down the runway at that, you know, when that's happening. Right? <laughs> so that's my reason for sounding like I should be in the cancer ward or someplace. But <coughs> that Billy, on the other hand. I don't know. I've had the sinus infection that will not go away, and it's it's morphed into this demonic cough. You're the king of sinus infections. I cough. I don't get sick. I only get sinus infections. That's a joke. (laughs) I'll be sick for one day, and it turns into a sinus infection. (laughs) I I continuously have them like four or five times a year, and but I get this cough, and everybody hates me. Like I I can't go anywhere. I cough a thousand times a day until I have a headache from coughing. I still can't stop. It's it's not the coughing. (laughs) <laughs> that makes people hate you. The hatred is there. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. And the bottom line, I, I'm I'm so low energy right now because my kid decides that she gets Because up. you're fat and overweight. That's why you're so Yeah, low well, that's one reason. <laughs> but the other that reason... Was unkind. That was unkind and unchristian. The other reason... But, no un- but, untru- but not untrue. You Listen, I lose, <laughs> and it's about time. I lose 40 pounds every... Four or five years, and then I gain it back again over a three-year period. So we're at the point in the in the process where it's time to lose the forty pounds again. So you text me. Did you get my text back? You said something about you'd you'd gain ten pounds over the last year or something. Did yes. you see my text back to you? My wife hates this. No, I lost ten pounds in the last week. Did you? Yeah. How? What? Well, I just Wait, I just ate less. Are you trying to lose weight? No. But I mean, if I, I was experimenting and you know, if I want to lose weight, I will, but I have a high metabolism. Like I burn a ton of energy all the time. I'm always too hot and I don't sleep very well. But when I sleep, I just, I burn a ton of calories. I just, and again, I'm not where I want to be. Absolutely not. I'm still a, a tub of lard, but, uh, but I have a high metabolism and you know, I went from, uh, you know, I'm down to below 250. So, and I don't look 250. I don't think. But I'm dense, and uh, no comments, please. <laughs> but, and I spent a lot of time weightlifting as a kid, so you know, that's well, where the weight comes from. But it's also the weight also comes from pizza and donuts, by the way. I need to lose weight, so that's actually that should do. be our challenge. We, we, the we should do. do like a weight loss church boys challenge. No, not happening. Well, it might happen, <laughs> but <laughs> the bottom line, it, I think it may actually happen now because you're saying it won't. If okay. anybody wants to lose weight, like contact me and we will organize we something. We can set up something. We can set up some sort of competition. Well, there is one. There's one we could pay, and and we should talk about it on the next show, but we could pay into it. We could launch it. Everybody can put a certain amount of money and you could do like oh, $20. Nah, and happening. whoever loses the most weight gets all the money. No, 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 that's that What? Is, What's wrong? With money's that? not a motivator for me. Oh, but money's fact, definitely have, a motivator. Have to put for money me. into a program is a demotivator for me. You're, you are like one of those people who just wants to be no when everybody else is yes. And, that's and honestly, that's, that's usually I'm thing. like that. But with you, it makes me want to just say yes. <laughs> anyway, um, let's let's dive into the I first story because I it, it's okay. comical. It's okay. wonderful. It made me laugh. It gave me joy and glee and all of all of the happy. There we go. Perfect music. This report from Pew. And I had a chance to see the report uh, before it came out. But but. Basically, this is part two of their religion study that they released right. back in May. And this sounds boring, but it's not because there's so many fun things in this report. Yes, I'm sure you're going to make it riveting. Well, listen, overall, it's depressing. <laughs> there are fewer Christians. There, there's a smaller proportion of Christians um, and, and all that in America. Right, right. Uh, but but the, the really funny part of this is that 
you know, they look at which groups are among Republicans and Republican-leaning Americans and which religious groups are among Democrats and Democratic-leaning Americans. And when it came to the Democrats, well, let's start with the Republicans. The Republicans, predictably, the evangelicals, 38% are overtaking the, you know, the Republicans as usual. But when it comes to the Democrats, the biggest group, okay, of religious group among Democrats is the unaffiliated, which let me just say are atheists, <laughs> agnostics, and those with no religion at all. So they might believe in God, but they have no they don't they don't have an affiliation to any religion. Uh, that is twenty eight percent of the Democratic that's amazing. Um, base. It's amazing. And and the next biggest group after that is Catholic. Uh, they still have sixteen percent of evangelical, uh, you know, sixteen percent of them are evangelicals, but but the fact that the biggest group and it's 28%. It's up from 19% in 2007. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty stunning. And it's not really great PR for the Democrats. Not at all. In fact, they're, they're unaffiliated. They're unaffiliated is, yeah, 30% bigger than their Catholic. 33% bigger than their Catholic. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's crazy. And the, wow. other, the other thing is. That is amazing. Well, they're down in every single group, except for historically black Protestants are pretty much on par with where they were last time. But yeah. you know, they went they went down with Catholics. Now, evangelicals, they actually went up one percentage point with evangelicals um, for the Republicans and, um, you know, but but lost in other areas as well. Unaffiliated, 14 percent of Republicans or Republican leaning adults were unaffiliated. So it's still a, you know, chunk of Republicans. Yeah. And it's going to create a lot of questions uh, because it's sort of like, okay, well, how do you appeal to these people then? Right. What are, yeah. what are the things that motivate these unaffiliated people? Right. And, you know, it's interesting. And maybe I don't think you said this, but if you look at, if you compare 2007 to 2014 for the Democrats, they went from 74% Christian to 63% Christian at 11 point drop. That's huge. That's yeah. a huge drop. And Republicans went from 87 to 82. That's a significant drop, too. I mean, they dropped five points. But, I mean, they're still at 82% Christian. Still still over, you know, 80%, more than, you know, four-fifths. Look at, you know, uh, the Democrats are less than two-thirds Christian. Yeah. I mean, no, that's it, that's it, amazing. Well, you think back to the whole thing with, you know, taking God out of the platform and all oh, that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's, it, it starts to make sense. but. Look, I mean, the Democrats have taken steps, I think, that are much more removed from traditional religious constructs, like with gay marriage and everything else. So it's not it's not entirely surprising that they'd be attracting more unaffiliated Americans who maybe weren't attached to anything before. Look, I mean, if these are not I think it's important. The unaffiliated are not all atheists and agnostics, as I said, a lot of them, the the vast majority of them. I think the atheists and agnostics only make up like seven point one percent of all Americans. So the rest of those people are people who they're they're unattached, they're unaffiliated. In fact, they're the people Christians should be trying to reach. They were formerly Christian or grew up with a label and have probably shed it for some reason. So yep. it's a group to watch, though, because those are the people who are more likely to become atheists if they're not uh, yeah, reached it, out to. And it's a growing group. It's a hugely growing. I mean, it's massive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. <laughs> it's it's the biggest religious group among Democrats, <laughs> which I just find uh, that's, hilarious. That's well, it's that's hilarious, and and it's sad. I mean, I think it, I, of course, you know, being a Christian, find that to be sad. You know, this once great party, the 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 home of you know Jack Kennedy, is now, you know, twenty eight percent unaffiliated and or atheist. It's like, are you kidding me? It's just bizarre. I mean, it's uh, when you think of that being almost one in three. 
that becomes a little bit troubling. Yeah. Almost one in three. That's more than one. It's more than one in four. We'll put it that way. More than right. one in four. That's right. So that is amazing. If you line people up and yeah, every every four you'd have at least one. I mean, that's like bizarre. And I think, but again, the the party is reflecting this, and yeah. you see the language yep. reflecting this, and you see yep. that this is the people they're going after. It's the evangelicals they, have, like I said, they've held strong among Republicans, yep. and I don't know they, who it's this, the way they govern too. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who the sixteen percent that the Democrats still have are. I mean, look, these this is all, and this is was in a separate report that we did on the Blaze this week. But but Pew, I, I interviewed one of the guys who worked on this, and he was saying there are big disconnects between what people label themselves and what they right. say they believe, uh, which is why you have five percent of atheists saying that they believe in heaven, right? Right. Um. And and that's and, weird. Which is a weird story. Did you? We haven't covered that before, have you? We, no, you, you did you know, it online. But we haven't talked about it on the show. You got to you got to bring that up. You brought so, that up, but you got to give a little more details on it because that was amazing. <coughs> that was amazing. Yeah, so that story we actually did um, for the first time. I mean, I, I've seen these numbers before. Now I should know all of these different numbers. I'm going to mention they've decreased since 2007, but this year I have the numbers right in front of me. Now we have seven um, percent of atheists <laughs> believe that it's it's vi- that religion is either very or somewhat important to them. Seven <laughs> percent of atheists. What? It's bizarre. Five percent are absolutely or fairly certain in the existence of a god. Yeah. Um, five percent believe in heaven. Three percent believe in hell. One percent say the Bible should be taken literally. Well, uh, so I mean, who are, are these the, atheists? You know, Jerry Simon's like, who are these people? <laughs> the who way are these he, atheists? The way that Pew described it is that you have a situation just like you might say you're Catholic, but you might not believe in some of the Catholic teaching. Yeah. That there there are atheists out there who they label themselves atheists, but when they're asked the specific question about what they believe, not the label, they for whatever yeah, reason. But, but that's different. It's that's different though than you know than using the you know you're Catholic, but you don't believe everything the Catholic Church says. No, this is like saying having a having a Catholic or a Protestant, either one, say. Yeah, but I worship Muhammad. I mean, right. that's the difference. And that's if there are if there are Christians saying that. Well, maybe there. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are some idiots out there. I, well, I shouldn't say idiots. Well, I should. You always say idiots, and then you're like, I shouldn't say. It. You said okay. it. Own okay. it. Morons. Then. <coughs> but I, I, I whatever. It, it's weird. Whatever. It's it definitely weird. weird. You know, and I don't. Of, go ahead. I don't get it, but. And you understand among agnostics why that might be the case, why agnostics might be praying, why they might be. But it becomes very difficult to understand why an atheist who's supposed to not believe in anything would be saying that. they. And and maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's maybe that's the issue, though. Right. Maybe that's a lot of people who call themselves atheists really mean agnostic. If you were to make them nail themselves down on a term, they use atheist because that's the word they know. Right. And they're also they're they're also people who want to go with no when it's yes, like you. You're like the perfect candidate for an atheist. Luckily, you're not an atheist. You just love the label of different and the label of whatever. Meanwhile, I, no, I, I hate, hate you. Pe- no, I hate people who are different. <laughs> whatever. Whatever. If you're, um, if you're not white, conservative, and Protestant, I don't like you. So that's just how it is, right? Did you hear that right wing watch? I, I hope they clip <laughs> quote, just that little piece. That. <laughs> <laughs> Just that little that little joke, and they'll probably think it's real. Um, so uh, before before we move on, your story reminded me of another story that we posted actually today that Fred wrote about, and it, it's just it doesn't have anything to do with party, but this percentages about these Syrian immigrants in Europe, and there's a new a new survey that came out, a new poll from the Arab Center, and they surveyed Syrian refugees in Europe, and 13 percent of those refugees sympathize with the Islamic State. And another 
Oh, let's see. That's 13%. And another 11%, 10%. Another 10% of the dis displaced Syrian refugees have a mixed or lukewarm but not negative view of ISIS. That means that of, of the Syrian refugees in Europe, 23% are susceptible or at least are at least susceptible susceptible if not uh in favor of isis recruitment isn't that well, amazing isn't that unbelievable it's not all that surprising right i mean when you if you think about the fact oh, that people have been worried scary. about this oh. and we want to bring syrian refugees here without totally vetting them are you kidding me it's ridiculous yeah i mean yeah it's tough. It's a no-win situation. You either it is. that is, I know. Because how do you even vet? How do you even vet these people? They've lost everything. Most of them. They. It's not like in America where you have a track record right. of of their history and who they are and what they've done. God right. knows if those things even exist over there anymore. I know. I don't know. I know. I I don't know what the answer is to that. I think. You know, do you do the compassionate thing and risk the danger of it, or do you are you monitoring all the people who come? I don't know how you even do that con consistently once they're here. I don't. Right. I don't know. Do you, be, you risk this? Risk this to be compassionate to those people, but then sacrifice the compassion <laughs> you have for people who would be victims of terrorism. I don't. Right. You know, I don't know. My. I don't know. Uh, call me. Call me crazy. I consider my child's safety more important than another you know, than a refugee's safety. Does that yeah. wrong? Well, this is why people, yeah, I don't think, I mean, I think that most people, even if they won't say that, that that's what people really do probably think when they have that's kids. You, and That's how we you live, know, I mean, that's our practical application of it. You can, you can deny it all you want. Just because I said it doesn't mean you don't believe it. Right. No. And I look, I think safe zones, this is why people have, have proposed safe zones and why there's been such a huge push for that. The, the notion that having zones within Syria, within Iraq that are safe for these people is the better solution than than shipping them out. Again, there are issues with that because then somebody has to defend, yep. the, you know, defend I it. I don't I don't know what the answer is. I don't see how we get away from any of this without going to war at some point. I right. really don't. Yeah. I think we're delaying an inevitable situation that we partially helped create yeah. um and and now we want to sit back and act like we weren't involved in it well you know look you, regardless of what people think about the wars they definitely played a role in destabilizing the middle east so what do you right. do now I, I don't know i know i, I know. but i do think it's irresponsible to allow this to go on without a solution so right. i just i have no uh, answer and i believe in helping in fact center for immigration studies came out with a thing because the u.n Costs are actually what ten or thirteen times more than what they'd originally anticipate <laughs> and yeah. anticipated for these refugees. So there's a whole there's a whole study out now that if we spent these resources over there, we could actually help them over there more effectively. So I don't I don't know I don't know right. It's because something it'd be nice to do something, but at the same time, well, anyway, I'm I'm not somebody who thinks that our government needs to go and help everybody. Now, if it's a situation that we created. Then you've got you have some obligations, I suppose you could argue, you know, when we when we don't conduct war the way that we should, which is go in and as Rush says, kill people and break things and then get the heck out. You know, if, if we're not going to conduct things that way, then we have to pay for these things. But whatever. So, well, yeah, go ahead. Uh, you know, we only have a few well, a little while left. We're doing a marathon session here. We're not going to take any uh, commercial breaks or well, <laughs> we're not going to take any breaks that you could fill with. If you're out there and you're you run a radio station or or anything else and you'd like to have this show, we do usually put breaks in there that you could put commercials in. In fact, 
you know, if you're someone who just likes to download the podcast and you want to find commercials on your own and just plug them in to listen to while you're listening to our show, uh, you're welcome to do that as well. But today there will be no breaks. Uh, so, but there will be another awkward transition. So Billy, you conducted an interview, uh, recently with, uh, some, some group of hacks from, from the music industry. Who was it? Yeah, well, you know these these losers who are not well known at all and have no following. Um, no, they they actually are great a great band, uh, Mercy Me, and great people, great people, great band. And in fact, I think Mercy Me is I could be wrong about this. They're like the longest running Christian band. That's pretty amazing. They've been around forever, and I mean longer than Petra. (laughs) Than what? Petra. Were you? Did you you ever listen to Petra? They, they were famous before I was born. That's true. Um, they were famous when I was a kid. So, you know, I we sat down for, what, 30, 35 minutes right. and, and talked about a lot of different things. My favorite part of the interview, they asked me what my – actually, I don't even know if we're going to include it. Well, I'm going to say even if we don't include it um, because I might want to I might want to bleep it out. Um, no, you know what? We're going to put it in. We're going to put it in. Okay, so if you're adding work for me right now, you need to let me know ahead I'm of time not, so I can I'm write not, it down. It doesn't require anything. Okay. They asked me what my favorite – Christmas song was and uh, or what and what my least favorite Christmas <laughs> you song told them, was. You told them the Hanukkah song, didn't you? Because <laughs> that's <laughs> really what my least favorite. If I, if I remember calling it my and and my least favorite song. I have tweeted about it every year and will continue to. I'm not going to spoil it now. You can listen to it. Um, and they were so happy I said it and they didn't have to. I think, <laughs> but um, we'll just leave it at that. And but we talked what's about your, a lot of things. What's your favorite song? I like I love them all. Okay. I, all, right. all right. I'm going to tell you what I really the song I really do like, and you're gonna you're gonna laugh. You're gonna piss yourself. I love, um, no, <laughs> I, love I love Christmas and I love Christmas music. So don't. All be right. I like all the oldies, right? Oh, but I yeah. have to oh, say, yeah. Bing Crosby, Perry Cuomo. Yeah, I love yeah, all that. Frank Sinatra. I, and but I, I, guess I realize there's a I modern day Perry song Cuomo. that has come. He's Cuomo. I don't know if it's like what. There's a modern day song I think that has come alongside. All right. You got to tell Not me. to beat gonna, those. Right, I think the Mariah Carey Christmas song. Which one? Is, um, is it all I want? All I want for oh, Christmas yeah. or whatever. Yeah. That has become a classic, and I think that it's is, fascinating. That is, uh, it's a good record. That's a good. It record. is, and it's rare that a song can do that nowadays. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's. I yeah. You know, I'll give you that. I do enjoy when that one's on. I I enjoy it. It's I don't enjoy it as song. much as the others, but it is really good. And in fact, it's okay with me if it gets in. If you've got like. Uh, some sort of mix on your your iPhone and you hit just I want classic Christmas music and if that gets slipped in there I'm I'm actually okay with it even it though it feels classic it does it's got a classic feel and it is just a great record I do I I Bing and I mean, Perry is my favorite Perry Como is my absolute favorite as far as the Christmas standards go of course I love Dean Martin and Bing Crosby <laughs> Frank Sinatra uh, Andy Williams all that I love all that also even Burl Ives that whole pompous Whitbag. <coughs> I love him. Um, I, I hey, you know love who my wife loves? Him. What's that? My wife loves Brenda Lee. Do you know who Brenda Lee is? Yeah, uh, rocking around. Right, but yeah. but my wife, for the first like six years of our marriage, I'm like, oh, Brenda Lee, is she around still? Like, is she alive? Uh-huh. My wife's like, no, she's been dead for years. She's dead. She's so dead. She's so old. And and then like we find out she's touring and she's alive and well. <laughs> did you take I'm her like, then? Andrea, what do you even know? Did like, she's go... alive and fine. Did and you she's go like 60 her? years old. Did you go see her? No, but oh. the point is, my wife's telling me, my wife thinks this woman's dead for a year. Oh, we got classic music. She's been dead forever. This is wonderful music. Yeah. And and so we just laugh about it now. But the the reason that this is important is Mercy Me has a Christmas album that's that's out and coming. Oh, nice. I think it's coming out actually. Nice, and nice, 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 nice. 
Yeah, yeah, and it's great. But we also talked about some other things in music and their career that I think people are going to want to hear. All so. right. So should we play that interview now then? Rolling. All right, we'll be right back right after this. So you guys have been, and, and not all of you, but you've been a band since 1994. So that's, that's an incredibly long time. Um, yes. <laughs> and I say that in, in a good way because it's sort of, it's like how do you keep it together for that long? How do you do that? It's a loaded question, maybe. Oh, no. yeah. I don't know if there's a... <laughs> we, just, I, we just, for whatever reason, we get along really, really well. And, um, and it's, it's, yeah, it's, um, you know, we're kind of like, we can't imagine making music with anybody else. And so it's just, we're like, I guess we're more like brothers when you do it this long. It's like, we may get in arguments, but quitting is not an option, you know? And so it's just, we just kind of keep doing what we're doing. I think we all... We all we joking that we can all can agree that we're trying to avoid hard labor, so we're, 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 <laughs> we're in together. <laughs> are there times? Are there times where you guys get annoyed with each other? I mean, are there those oh, yeah. moments where it's like? I mean, how do you how do you not? I, mean, I would say you know, I'm probably the one they get most annoyed with generally. Why? Why? Um, <laughs> no, I talk loud and I'm early. A lot of no. But he knows it. Yeah, but yeah, he's aware, so it actually makes Which it makes better. Which makes it worse. Right. I, still <laughs> I still do it. Um, <laughs> you don't correct it. Yeah, I think it's that. I think we just have so many shared experiences. We've been through the ringer. We've traveled the hard days where we were driving the bus. And um, you kind of have those shared experiences, and you don't have that with everybody else. And so it, the stuff that we've gone through together and the friendship that's grown over 21 years is worth fighting through a lot of mess and a lot of frustration with one another. And we get away from each other, you know, when it's time. So. Well, you have to, right? There's, We're no, brothers. there's no talking behind each other's back because we'll say whatever we feel in front of each other. <laughs> yeah. You're an idiot. Oh, okay, thanks. Okay. I love that. Yeah, let's move on. Kind of diffuses the problem. <laughs> what, what is the hardest thing about, because I think it's funny, and I always ask people this who work in Christian music, you know, is it a lot different than, you know, secular music? And I get different answers from that, but... So I guess I'll ask that first. Is it a lot different? Is it not a lot different? I mean, are there, what are the similarities and differences between the two? They make more money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The business side, I don't know if we'll have a real good perception on that. Yeah, I, I guess our our take would be like when Imagine kind of went to mainstream and we had to, we kind of felt like we were working two jobs. We were promoting a, a current album at the time because Imagine was on previous album, ran its course Christian music. We released the next album, and then it blew up the mainstream. So we were like promoting two different records at the same time, and so I think uh, yeah, I, there's not a huge difference. If any, I will say that uh, in reality is is that the Christian market was probably has been the harshest between the two, harsher than mainstream. We had this fear of going in like, oh man, they're gonna hate us, you know, mainstream, and you know they're gonna try to put us in a corner and stuff. But we never experienced that. Everybody we met was was very kind and very gracious and maybe they thought that we had like a bad phone to God if they upset us I don't know but, <laughs> but, but they thought you know you're going to be able call, to help call yeah, down maybe the thunder. we would do morning <laughs> locusts yeah. we would do morning shows and they, they would reluctantly like their program director set it up and that the DJs wouldn't want to do it and by the time we were done they loved us because like, they realized we we're just normal people you know and it's and so I don't think we ever had a really bad experience and to where at the same and on the other end of that sometimes in the Christian market you never live up to the standard of, well, why did you do that? You know, like, it's like, you know, you crossed over, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's just a lot of kind of nitpicking. Sometimes. Or the set, oh, it's just, you're a sellout, or you're right. the, you know, these, yeah. Which is so bizarre because 
isn't that isn't that what believers are supposed to do? Let, let's let's take Christ to the world, and so when we actually do that, they get angry at us. Because yeah, nobody takes it <laughs> to the world the way they think you should. Right, yeah. right. It's yeah, they, they, they definitely yeah. have their yeah. uh, program. Everybody has their preconceived notion of how they would do it. So yeah, we just kind of, yeah, in right. a good way, just kind of stop caring. We yeah. Just kinda, yeah, you kind of have to, do, right? Yeah. yeah, and so we just we do yeah. what we know we're called to do, and we we're having more fun now than we ever had. And, because we would get, I, I especially would get wrapped up in what people thought. If we did something wrong, I would try to fix it and realize there's a million people that think something's wrong. Right. Yeah, yeah you can't appease like, everybody. Yeah. So right? yeah. There's no way yeah. ever. Yeah. Right. And so once you stop caring, it's, man, it becomes a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I do. Sometimes I do wonder, too, if, you know, the sort of like the, the culture war of Christians feeling like, and I've been a Christian my whole life, but, you know, feeling like, well, everybody over here in entertainment and media, they're all sort of against us, so let's create our own stuff over here. Yeah. And let's never let yeah. the two mix. Yeah. I think we yeah. cause some of the problem ourselves for sure. You know, we, we, we played to our own market, and we—I would say—we separated ourselves in a lot of areas, whereas we didn't necessarily need to. You know, in the early phases of Christian music, Larry Norman, all that stuff—it was just music. It was just yeah. there wasn't Christian radio, there wasn't Christian records store section in the bookstore you know you just sold your music and you played your shows and, and, and that was yeah. everybody can't yeah. Keith Green same thing it makes you wonder if we kind of distorted the in the world not of it mentality of well we exist on the same planet we're going to do our own thing yeah, so I think that's what he meant and we're going to let them come <laughs> yeah, to yeah, us if they want to hear our, our good news yeah. instead of just being ourselves and being funny and weird and broken and, and right tell our story you know well it's interesting right because everybody else can sort of sing about whatever they want you know sex drug, whatever they want yeah. but it's like oh when Christians do it they have to be over here and right. it's not only Christian bands being over there it's it's the industry putting Christians yeah. over there too oh, for sure. and it's just funny because you have a Miley Cyrus and everybody else they do whatever they want and nobody seems to care it's just treated as whatever that's just music but yeah. no we're gonna do it over here it's just, it, yeah. it, it is an interesting dynamic yeah we kind of created the bubble ourselves I guess and as far as the church goes because you can if you're a Christian artist, you do anything in the mainstream, whether you change what you're doing or not, there's a lot of criticism. If you're a mainstream artist that somehow all of a sudden starts talking about Jesus, we're the first ones to go, oh, he's one of us. You know, like we champion them, like finally we got him over. But right. the other way around, oh, yeah. you've backslidden and fallen off oh, and yeah. left the faith. And you know, so it's kind of a little bit of double standard. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for the Bieber backlash because he's come out, you know. Yeah, you saw that interview. Yeah. <clears throat> and like I even saw some comments in that where it's like even now the church is already ready to jump on, on like against him like, We'll see if he's if he means it, and I'm like, man, can't we just lift him up if he's if yeah. he's proclaiming, man, I've seen the error of my ways. I want to live like Jesus. Okay, let's encourage that, and hopefully, you know, surrounded by people who are gonna show him what that looks like if he doesn't yeah. know. Kind of braveheart when the uh, when they fight for their little pieces of land. The yeah, yeah. Can we not take the whole country? Yeah. Yeah. Guys, it's all yeah. ours. Let's, let's get I that thought it was great. I thought it was great to hear that but, stuff yeah. from him. You know, yeah. surprising and great. I mean, who's most people go in saying they're a Christian when they're young, and they and then they never go back to it. You never hear it again. At yeah. least he's gone back and pretty strongly, yeah. you know. Especially um, since he took a rough path, you know. The fact that he's yeah. come back and said, "Man, I messed up." So, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, it's cool. I hope so, with with I can only imagine that because obviously that was sort of the surprise. And I remember I shared with you guys before we started recording that I was in college at the time, and I remember watching you guys on CNN kind of talk about how surprised you were about it. And it was a big deal. A lot of people were listening to the song who probably never had heard Christian music or weren't looking to listen to Christian music. How did that change things for you guys, um, career-wise, at that time? Um, we got really busy. Um, really busy. You know, we, um, we, we, we found ourselves in a lot of places we never dreamed of as far as like, like the interviews and the opportunities we had of just you know, uh, you know, doing shows alongside with 
Gary Sinise. Yeah, just random stuff and just and doing a lot of festivals where it's mainstream acts and we want you to be a part of it. It was really awesome, but it was like you know it was it was kind of nerve wracking at times. We you always fear what what are we getting into, even though every case, every scenario was awesome. Um, you know, it, and also you know being a band for twenty one years, like we just signed, we wrote Imagine on independent record. We signed kind of because of that. If that to be kind of one of our first singles, you know, we had to. We were very fortunate to kind of our first song be our career song, so to speak, and so it definitely opened a lot of doors. Like a you know, we kind of bypassed being the opening act for a long time and stuff, and kind of got thrust into you know, I guess a bigger spot. I don't know, but uh, but it, it, it definitely helped as far as what the decisions we made moving forward and and uh, kind of paying our dues, so to speak. I guess it was kind of a mystery, right? I mean, have you guys ever? I mean, do you know why? Why did that happen? Why did it cross over? Was there an effort made behind the scenes? Was there? Well, we have a theory. I mean, <laughs> there was there was some. Right have after nine eleven. I think I had it. The way it first got on the mainstream radio was there was a kind of a shock jock morning radio show in Dallas on a mainstream station. It was the show was uh, Big Fitz. The Fitz and Big Gay Steven in the mornings, and they did this dare thing. It was like, "Well, dudes, dare us, whatever. Truth or dare, whatever. We'll do whatever it is you dare us to do on the air. We don't care. We'll pay the fines." Well, the fifth caller said, "I dare you to play. I can only imagine." It had already run its course in Christian music, like Barton said. And so they're like, well, we don't know where that is. They ended up finding it, played it on the air, and their phones blew up. And so that was kind of the, the beginning of the snowball. Our record label at that point kind of got involved and said, hey, would you guys just kind of help us spread the word? And, and they started challenging program directors to, like, play it once. If you don't get any reactions, don't worry about it. And if you get a reaction, you know, help us out. And it just it blew up. So there was an effort after the fact, but, like, it was just kind of a thing that happened. So it started, stuff. like they played it, people just start requesting it, and then, yeah. and then it became it for three months, right? Yeah, it was yeah their top. whole thing was fans would vote what their top ten was on this, on this station, and for like three months it was number one behind like 50 Cent in the club or <laughs> And that kind of word started getting out, it's and our label didn't know what to do with it, and they were like, we don't, how do you even promote this if you yeah. have no station? So they just agreed, they would send a copy to the station and say, play it once, if you don't get a reaction, just throw it away, you don't do it again. And wow. all the ones that actually did, it went number one. And some wouldn't touch it. Uh, I don't think New York, New York's like, no, I'm not gonna touch it. But well, I was just gonna say, Z100 played it a lot. Oh, they did? There was a point where they did, it wasn't right away, and that wow. was what was funny about it, and huh. that's how everybody was hearing it on campus because back then that was like just when iTunes and stuff was yeah, kind of yeah. so people were still listening to radio a lot and I remember that was and I remember hearing it all the time oh, that's crazy wow. there was a point where it was number one at night yeah, they wouldn't add it wow. for a long time I guess I didn't realize it ever got out when the uh, you know it came out like an O2 originally and then it kind of ran its course in Christian music and then this was it was about two years later because it was 9-11 was 04 right? Right? Oh, 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 no, no, right it was 01 the single came out and then it, it blew up and we got started getting a ton of response then and, uh, and just we get emails like crazy of people saying, man, I, I, that they were all connected to 9-11. And um, so people always ask, like, why do you think that song? I'm like, man, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of reasons. I said, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, when you go through tragedy like that. We, were in, we started in Oklahoma City right when the Oklahoma City bombing happened, and we saw it firsthand how a nation will rally around each other. And through tragedy, it's like we, 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 people become spiritual, and, you know. And, and that song, we man, we... We would get letters from from all the funerals that took place in the fire stations here, oh, wow. and uh, and all stuff that were playing the song. And so, 
by the time it was, I guess it would have been 03, 04, whenever it happened in mainstream, when it took off, there were so many people that already somehow knew the song. Because already, it already sold a million copies before it ever went mainstream. And people just jumped on it and said either they knew it and it's familiar. The DJs kept telling us, man, we've never been thanked for playing a song. It's always like, play Marilyn Manson, play it more. And he goes, we've <laughs> never had someone call and blow up our phones just to thank us. And, they, and the DJs started getting on board. Like, it was a good feeling to do something what they thought was good. Yeah. Right, which really? is kind of the opposite yeah. of what. Oh, really fast. I, I remember the the morning that somebody called and told us, "Hey, it's on Wild One Hundred. What's happening?" So we're like, we're all of course tuning in, like it's on Trying that thing it. you do, like what? And uh, <laughs> and um, at the end of the show, he was trying to give away tickets. I think it's like Ellen DeGeneres, like was coming to do stand up or whatever. And every time, like it was like, "Yeah, you're the you're the winner of the Ellen DeGeneres tickets." I remember this woman was bawling and saying, "What was that song? What was that song? I just lost my mom a month ago." And he didn't know what to do. Like he's like. Do you want the tickets? And so she's like, No, I just need to know what that song was. And it was it was the weirdest thing for this guy to have to like right. be trying like to have to be in like a ministry position all just thrown trying to give into you it. And like, to it. I'm trying to give you something, and you're trying to cry yeah. on my yeah, shoulder. He had to go understand. through several. He finally because uh, the producer, I remember, he had to go through several calls, and every time you're number seven, they're like, play the song again. He's like, That's not what we're doing. We're trying to give away tickets. And finally, where he was looking at Tony, the producer, going. Screen the calls. We need somebody that wants the tickets or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and then, uh, um, yeah, it was... Um, That's hilarious. I was trying to think what else. Like, I've lost my train of thought. It was going to be a great thing. That, that must, <laughs> honestly, though, it, I'm sure. I'm yeah, sure. It, it must be like, one of the weirdest things in music. I think it's got to be one of the weirder stories of just yeah. like oh, how it happened. Yeah, yeah. to me. You were right, too, about it. It coincided with iTunes as well. So that had a lot to do with it because people would hear the song and they could instantly get it. And illegally download it, probably. At least they're listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, exactly. Yeah. All I was going to say was that we, I don't think we realized the impact it made until we released our third album, Undone. And in that, we were doing like our first headlining tour. And so one of the label guys said, we're going to try to buy ads on the mainstream station, saying Mercy's coming through town, which are pretty pricey. And every, every station they call, the station was like, if it's Mercy, we'll do it for free. Like, and they, they like, we didn't have to pay for any mainstream ads because they were like, it's an honor. And we we're like, what is going on? And that's when we realized that they really bought into just, like, they felt like they were a part of something good. It Does cool. it still surprise you thinking back? Yeah. I mean. Still, every time we tell the story, I'm like, that is insane. Do people ask a lot about it? Is yeah, it? well, uh, uh, yeah, it's in, it's in seasons. Like, uh, people, it used to be, where did Imagine come from? Now it's like, people like, not like you, but some will be like, why do I know this song? Like, right, you know, like, right, why right. is this song a part of my life when I didn't grow up in this kind of stuff? And yeah. how would I have ever played, heard it between 50 Cent or whatever? Right. So, That's so funny. Some, was it like in the club or something? That's just so funny. Yeah. Cool. yeah, that was yeah, the that, And time. J-Lo and LL Cool J had a duet out at the time. And those were the ones that were kept, like, kept so fighting weird. for number one with us. It the ones they did in our station that refused to play it. They're like, no way. And they even told the label, stop calling us. You're embarrassing yourself. We're not playing this dumb Christian song. And then somehow they got through and they were like, so, I guess we were persistent. I don't know who the label was. And they said, okay, here's the deal. We do this thing called Battle of the Songs or whatever. And so we're going we're gonna to shut you up. And at 50 Cent in the club was in there one song. He said, we're going to let the fans vote. We're going to play the two songs and they vote what song stays. And it's, I don't know, at the time, it was the only song that won 100% of the votes was Imagine over 50 Cent. I mean, you're thinking at least somebody would call and say this. He, right. goes, he goes, every call we got to, people lined up, they voted and voted. And they were like, and they became big supporters, like we're on board. And, uh, but it was that was like the David Goliath story that kept telling us after the fact. <laughs> what, what is the biggest challenge? Let me just ask you guys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that, yes, that is, that is the biggest, the biggest <laughs> challenge. Apparently. 
<laughs> yes. But what what is just in general, you know, that you guys have had throughout your career, and in Christian music? Biggest challenge for me, the biggest challenge is just the balance between family and, and doing this. You know, it's like you know, we went through a phase to where you know doing kingdom work becomes the villain in your household because they're always yeah. taking daddy away from the house, and so it just got to the point to where it was just like you know you you're, you got to be careful not to be living two separate lives and. And you know, and you almost you almost feel bad explaining the kids gotta leave again, you know. And and so we, three four years ago, we, we cut all our shows back to about seventy years, and we weren't gonna do it anymore. I just want to not be an absentee dad, an absentee husband, but kind of hit a phase where we're seeing more success than we probably ever have. But at times for me, it's like my family's hanging on by thread, you know, just because I feel like I'm not a part of it. So we that yeah, was the point hard. where we almost called it quits. It was like this is not worth it. But all the guys were like, let's fix what's broken first. And so, and we all ended up kind of being in the same boat. We'd all like to cut this back. We'd all like to love music again. How long ago was that? It's probably three, four years ago. Three years ago. Almost two years ago. Almost yeah. Two years ago yeah. Yeah. This is our, coming into our third year of booking shows, you know, cut back 40% of how much, many we were doing before. So, yeah. we still haven't got it right. We're still playing. Yeah. I, think, I don't think we ever will get it right. I don't, yeah. think, there's a, I don't think there's a No magic formula, formula yeah. right? Yeah. But, but we've got like our team around us on board. That's smart. Yeah, they, they're on board with it, so that helps. Yeah, whenever you leave the house with five kids with your wife, it's going to be pretty much always inconvenient. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, no, I have two It's not a good time to get You're a good mood. I'm going to go now. Yeah. <laughs> and it never ends up that like we're leaving on a good day. You know, it's like all the, hell is the, breaking the loose at home. Yeah, time, yeah. yeah, water heater blew. Yeah, something's going wrong with the car or whatever. <laughs> okay, saying, babe, I'm going to go. You're with your bag going and this is in bad time. <laughs> yeah, but I got to go. Yeah. yeah. Man, he looks like a handful. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll it's hard with the kids. kids. Yeah, it's got to be hard so to be traveling right? a lot with, with kids. I mean, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, let me ask you guys about the Christmas album. Uh, Mercy Me, it's Christmas. Now, this is your second Christmas album, right? Why did you guys do this one? Thing to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was kind of a ten-year anniversary of our last one, okay. and it just—it seemed like a good time to do one. We—we we, uh, still had a lot of life left in our current album, Welcome to the New. Um, but you know, just you kind of—you kind of ride the wave of when's the right time to release and whatnot. And we thought it'd be a good time. We're not going to release a, another studio record for a while, so it was a good time to squeeze another uh, Christmas record in. It, we had so much fun making our first one, and we'd all probably say that it's one of our favorite records we ever made, which is kind of weird to say about Christmas record, but... Um, but it's Christmas music. I mean, Christmas music's fun, right? It is. Yeah, it is. well, it was fun because it's like, these are songs that we've loved our whole lives, but everybody loves these songs. Right. Like, you're not, you're not having to wonder whether or not you're making a hit. It's like, these songs are already hits. Everybody already sings them. How do you just not mess them up? Right, like, yeah. How do you make them better? How do you yeah, make yeah. them... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... We had a great experience on our last one, so it was just, it was a pretty natural thing. And fortunate, I mean, who would have ever thought we'd have been around long enough to make a second Christmas record? It's so, crazy. No, like yeah. a lot. Most bands, yeah. I mean, some do have very longevity. But you guys probably, I mean, who else has longer unity uh, in Christian Amy music? Amy and Smitty. Third day. The individuals don't count. Oh, yeah, oh, individuals. Oh, I mean, they're great. Bands. They can come back. Bands yeah. that are still originally members. Third day. Third day. day. Uh, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Casting Crown's been for a while, but they were after us. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a couple. There's not a lot, but uh, um, I'd say Third Day is the only one that already comes to mind. Yeah. yeah. Jars of Clay is kind of still together. It's not really sore. Switchfoot. Switchfoot. Switch yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah. they've danced in and out of mainstream and right. yeah. over the years. Yeah. You know, the, what was so fun about that is that because of all the success of Imagine, Mercy's became, it's become this machine that you don't want to mess up. It's kind of keep creeping along. And so on your other albums, you're like, 
does this song work for radio? Are our fans going to like it? And like I said, well, the Christmas album, we didn't, there's no rules. It's like, we're not going for radio. It's not, you know, let's just do what we want. So it didn't have to be a three-minute pop song. At least eight minutes, who cares? And so we had this freedom to do whatever we wanted to. And it's like, don't worry about the fans. They just make an album. So it was, it, it was incredibly fun for us. And then over the 10 years, like our, our fan base, a lot of people were like, this is our favorite record, like our favorite Christmas album. Like, I mean, when we said we we're going to record a new one, you either got, it's about time, I can't wait for another one, or why do another one? The first one's so great. Right. It's like our two polarizing responses we hit. <laughs> and, so, and so the pressure was kind of on. Like, the only pressure we had was that, man, it's got to be, at least we've got to try to make it as good as the last one. And so we went in with the same attitude. Like, no rules, just. Let's just pick the songs we love, and we'll know if they sound good. If they don't, we move on. And, and man, if we could just apply that to everything else, there's a lot of freedom in that. We kind of did with the last one. Yeah, the last record, we did a lot of that, too. What felt good, what felt right for the song, what it's kind of naturally. Yeah. But with Christmas, I think it's easier than when we're writing originals because we don't always know what the song's going to be when it starts right. when we're writing. With Christmas songs, it's like, you know what Holly Jolly Christmas is. Like, make it feel like Holly Jolly Christmas and have fun with it. But there's so. different pressure. Like, I'll be home for Christmas. Like, how do you... How do you change perfection? So it's like there's right. a lot of stress of like, okay, guys, like it's like there's something sacred. Don't yeah. mess this up. Yeah, we're not that cold. We'll never <laughs> yeah. be that cold. How there do and, we now? Yeah, we do get that. In there and just, okay, this feels good. And there were some songs like "Go Tell the Mountain," which is my least favorite Christmas song ever written. I never liked that song. And yeah. Then, then it was a challenge of can we make it to where we like it? And so, and, and that was kind of joy to the world for one of the other guys was like, and, and they ended up making the record. <laughs> Go Tell is pretty funny because we were like, it became a punchline. Like, we well, like, it, it, it actually started as a joke because he had gone on and on about how much he hated it. And we were cutting acoustic guitars with our two producers. Yeah, we were doing like the Jeff Lynn thing, four guitars around one mic. And, and I was like, hey, let's be funny and we'll do a version of Go Tell on the Mountain as a joke for Bart. And he was like, this actually kind of works for him. Yeah, they're like, so right. the next day I came in a straight face when we, we nailed it. We so I'm trying to listen to it like, okay, these guys really want this song. And, they all, and they're playing, and I'm like, man, this is all right. I've never thought of it. And we're all laughing. Go, like, oh, yeah, 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 you actually did like, it. Wait, what? You want to do it now? Yeah. And it turned out to be one of my favorite songs on the album. That's I love funny. that song. Yeah, yeah so funny. I love that verse. <laughs> all right, so la- last question for you guys. What What is your favorite song, each of you, on, on the album? Holly Jolly Baby. My favorite, uh, my favorite is either it's either... Go tell it, or maybe I'll be home for Christmas. It's a lot of mm-hmm. these two most. Yeah, I'll mine, be home or sleigh ride. Mm-hmm, sleigh ride. Mine, mine would be I'll be home or um, Our Lullaby. I love that everybody picked two. I love yeah, it. That's, no, good. that's yeah. good. We can't pick one. Yeah, yeah. It's all new. It's hard to watch. Listen, I, okay. We dissected and rebuilt Sleigh Ride, and I never really was on board with it. Kind of, you know, it kind of had to work into it a little bit, but I really love that song now. So, Sleigh Ride. It's a, it's a good thing. And our lullaby. It's a good thing. Our first Christmas record was the same way, but it's a good thing when I just I enjoy listening to it, and it's your own record. It's not. Yeah, like, that oh, is I'm just nice. listening to it, kind of yeah. critiquing yeah. it, yeah. like oh, what's done that so different? I have fun listening to it. So yeah, my least favorite. Like uh, do you hear what I hear? Was was kind of my least favorite, and now it's become one of my favorites. Yeah, I listen to it a lot too. Well, I lied because I said that was the last question, but I guess like you kind of hinted <laughs> at it a, li- a little bit, but. What, I guess, like, what are those challenges? You, you started to talk about that, but you have all these songs in front of you. People know them. And a lot of Christmas albums end up not sounding like Christmas songs anymore. Like, I've noticed that where it's, well, this actually just, it's a great song, but it doesn't sound, like, it doesn't feel like Christmas. How do you keep that feeling of Christmas in with the songs while you're reinventing them? You just know. I mean, yeah. we're closer on this record than we did the first record to making it feel 
like a Christmas song. There are a couple times where you would stop and say, it doesn't feel like Christmas. And we would, it, whether it's in the instrumentation or whatever, we just kind of consciously knew, you know, what it needs to sound like. Um, and then, you know, and, and, and yeah, and sometimes it was, you know, we like Holly Jolly. First time we ever played that, we tracked it. We knew this was going to okay. We're, it's, we're, we found the groove. We're killing this. Then the other ones was like, ah, you know, we need to, we need to try this and this and that. And just, and, but then eventually everybody's like, yeah, this it feels like Christmas. And writing originals, we wrote three original songs. That was a challenge. One was, it's kind of split. There's spiritual songs. And there's like more of the classic like Bing Crosby type songs. And, and uh, Writing a spiritual song is a no-brainer. That's what we do. Writing two songs that are more about the hustle and bustle and just nothing about God, right. just like Santa and that kind of stuff. That was tough because I never write that way. And so writing the lyrics for that was really hard and nerve-wracking. And, but, uh, but we got through it. I think it, it, And it's for it to have, I think what, what I would call what you're talking about is, it, 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 for me, it needs to have kind of this old soul. About yeah. It. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it sounds like, People are like, I don't know this, but I sure feel like I should know. Like, it feels like right. it's been around for a while. That's Instead kind of, of these, like, cheesy, cheesy pop Christmas right. oh, songs man, that are kind of like, you know, like our, our first record was, in my opinion, was a record to be listened to, not background music. This one is definitely has more of an air of background music, and that's not a bad thing. It's like we want for that's Christmas. a good thing. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, 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 it has more because, Christmas feel for it, sure. Yeah, it goes, you know, the, What's the, the holiday song, season. Uh, da, 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 the, Lennon? The, the, yeah, the Christmas song. McCartney? No, no, it's not it's McCartney, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah, whatever that is. Yeah, I remember when it first came out, like the 80s or whatever. I hated it. Yeah, I still hate it. Well, I don't know. It had all those, like, trendy current keyboard sounds. The synthy, yeah. Like the 80s. Other words now, it's now going to have a lot different. Like, okay, it's kind of Yeah, it's Christmas, and yeah. now it's been a lot. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of bit lasted long enough to where my kids like, ooh, and I'm like, shut your mouth. So that's Paul McCartney. He's a beetle. If you put some, if you put some bells and strings yeah. on her, it's gonna, you're not it's going away. I guess we better get along. There's one like, that I still <laughs> hate though. All time worst Christmas song ever. Last Christmas, I gave no, you my well, heart. It goes on and that one is that one is awful. It's horrible. What's the other really yes, depressing one that I always question, joke about? Worst Christmas song ever. Yes. <laughs> last Christmas is the worst Christmas yeah, song. What, 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 what is, you want to know what I think is the worst Christmas song? Yes. Yes. It is the one song that can ruin <laughs> your, your entire week. It's okay. Not even it's okay. okay. We didn't have to say it. It's awful. And you know you hear it and you're just, who thought this was a good idea? Who's Who? Every year, I go on a Twitter tirade about it. Every year, like this is ruining the day, and you always hear it at the worst time. You're happier in the car, and it just—it's like on every station. I've never heard it in its entirety. Never been over and over. Who's that? It's a cancer song. Who requests it though? They say it's like the most requested Christmas song in New York every year. You know why? Help us out. Let's break that. I think it's because people at Christmas go. Well, at least that kid's life sucks more than mine. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. It's, a, it's a great song. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm doing all right. Yeah. Like I had to have my wife explain. Okay, explain this song to me because I would not listen to the whole. Like, tell me what's going on here. There are Christmas shoes and a sick mom. Like, yeah. it's horrible. She wants to die with slippers on. With and, and that none of it She's makes sense cowboy. either. Yeah. It's very yeah. weird. Yeah. It's kind of cowboy. She wants to be dressy. It's very odd. Yeah, he's basically uh, buying yeah. funeral clothes. Yeah. yeah, we're making it worse. That actually would have been we better because you could almost like, hey, like, deal with that. Can we get that as a demo? Later, we'll get that. 
Yep. Anything else you want us to know about the Christmas album? It's awesome and everyone should it's buy awesome. it. Everyone should buy 10 yes. copies of yes. it. And yes. give it out. And make great shoes for the first time. <laughs> 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 oh the remix. Yeah, the remix Christmas shoes. So let me be the first to force Billy to apologize for the quality of the audio on <laughs> Well, I, that look, I can't be blamed that Mercy Me has 17 and a half members, okay? I don't even <laughs> 17 know. 17 and a half. Was one of them pregnant? Is this, are you breaking news here? No, honestly. It was, it, they, they were have, great. And there was a million of them. Or do they have someone I mean, of shorter stature? It's a big, oh boy. We're going to go there. We're going to do the Napoleon. All right, well. Can you roll the wheel? Because I'm just not okay. sure what story to do next. Right. I don't even. I have nothing left to say about Mercy Me. It spoke for right, itself. They're roll. amazing. Get their Christmas album. Be Absolutely. friends with them. Love them. Be their best friend and whatever. Right. Let's let's spin the wheel and let's see where it lands for our last story of the day. All right, here we go. Here we go. Oh, it landed on the Mormons. <laughs> Okay, so here's I guess the, it landed on the Mormons. It landed on the Mormons. And I I mean, this story is really interesting. After, so after gay marriage passed, right, uh, I think really a lot of churches and organizations have been trying to figure out what they're going to do, how they're going to address this. So what the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has done is they've mapped out very clearly in their church handbook of instructions, which is what they send out to all the local churches, right. all the local governing bodies of the church around the world, that they're going to be very specific about a number of issues. The first is uh, sexual cohabitation. That's right. the language they use. They also yeah. use the language same anyone who's in same-gender marriage. And the first reference in this book, it, it's an addition to the book, is basically saying that you are found to be in apostasy if you are in a same-sex marriage. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Now, they've always stood – there's nothing new here. They Theologically, yeah. this is right. where they've always stood. Now – that that means that you could have a disciplinary council um, issue that's mandatory where you have to be brought in and and whatever. I don't know how that all works. And it's but, not saying and it's not saying it's not it's not calling for a government overturn of same sex marriage. This is no, simply in saying. In fact, they've said the opposite right. of. Well, they, they haven't say, said the opposite. But they they've said, said if this is what the government law. does, it's what the government does. Right. But we believe that that's not the right thing. And then they say, if you're going to be a member of our church, here's the rules. Now, the other piece is where it gets a little bit more controversial, I think, for people. And this is probably what's upsetting people about this. Uh, basically, they say any children living with parents who are in a same-sex relationship, whether they're natural or adopted, they are not allowed to be given a blessing by the church. They can't be baptized. Uh, they can't become a missionary. They can't do any of the normal things you do. They usually baptize you around the age of eight. Um, the only way, if you are a child of, of a same-gender relationship, that you would be able to do those things in the church's eyes, and this is a second new rule that was written in the book, is if you are a child, as a child at the age of 18, which you're not really a child anymore, um, you have to be at least 18 years old, you accept that it's wrong to be in a same-sex relationship, and you are no longer living with the parents who right, are in a same-sex right. relationship, then, with the permission of the church, you can gain the ability to do those things. Right. So that's, you know, hey— it's your your organization. You do what you want, as long right. as it's not you know. As long as you're not killing somebody. You know, now hurt, I know hurt feelings people, is one thing, but you know, killing somebody is another. <laughs> you know, you're gonna people are gonna have hurt feelings over this. You know what? <laughs> as I like to say, oh, and as a uh, newly elected governor of Kentucky, Matt Bevin says, pound sand. Oh, of course he does. 
Uh, well, one of many things that by the one way, of many things, by the way, that Matt Bevan and I have in common: handsome, successful, rich, well liked. Now we both use the term pound sand. I thought that was quite nice. Actually, you only have one of those things okay. in common, and it's using the term pound sand. <laughs> but the thing about him that's very interesting is I think he's going to give your girl, Kim Davis, the victory she's been looking for. He I has pledged he that he would do that. I and I too. think now that's what's going to happen. And I would not be surprised if one of the reasons that his Democratic opponent lost in that state is because of this whole entire oh, debacle. Yeah, with I think Kim that's Davis. a big part of it. I absolutely do. Absolutely. Even though Americans have turned away from wanting to help Kim Davis, I don't think he has. I don't think Kentuckians have. No. And, you know, look, it may end up that Kentucky ends up with a model law that people can follow that right. has a middle ground approach. I don't I don't know. But now your opinion might change because it might be done legally. There you go. All right. Well, <laughs> you satisfied. I guess. I mean, I, <laughs> I do guess. you want me to join me to fight you on two episodes you, next week? We you, should really challenge should. ourselves into two. I think that we should. It would make Pedro happy. It, you know, I was just going to say, how would you feel about that, my, Pedro? My goal in life is to make Pedro happy. By the way, did you see his a little note about he, he got shushed by Mrs. Pedro? No. Mrs. Pedro is my new favorite. She shushed him because you and I were making a very important point and he was talking. He says, Mrs. Pedro shushed him. We Wait, making, does she listen to us too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, she she seems really awesome. All right. And way out of way. He married way, up. Oh, way out of say. his league. Way out of his league. <laughs> All right, well, read your hadith. I'm trying to get away from you now. Do you understand? Yes, it's time you've got an appointment of some kind. <coughs> got to have your hysterectomy this afternoon, I oh, think. Oh, you're awful. <laughs> well, good luck with your drag show. I hope you guys really show up on we're top. Gonna, we're going to have a blast. <laughs> awful. All right, oh, and happy birthday, Colty. I love you, baby. All right. Talk you're not, he's not waking you up. <laughs> Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Oh, wait. I got it set to my soundboard to the right thing. Dummy. Okay, now, now we're out of here. <laughs>